0: everyone. It's episode uh, 85 already. I think it is. I didn't check if it was 84 last week, but uh, <clears throat> oh geez, that's a great way to start. Uh, episode 85, someone was removed from something today. Nancy Pelosi's actions come back around to House Democrats. Uh, I also want to talk a bit about um, any anyone who's there who subscribe to Substack, how it's going. Is it uh, confusing for you. Is it great for you? Uh, everything that I've seen since uh, everyone thinks it's like upgrading our automobile. So uh, we'll also just do a uh, general topic Q&A just for an hour tonight as it's already, uh, it's almost Friday already. Hooray. Uh, as I noted and I talked about in podcast today, Yan Omar, as promised, was removed from the um, Foreign Affairs House Committee that she sat on. Um, this is in retaliation and certainly is revenge for um uh, Nancy Pelosi's actions in removing Marjorie Taylor Greene and also voting to remove Lauren Babert and then uh, Paul Gosar. And it's certainly not an endorsement of anything any of those three uh, cuddly little lunatics have said, um, but it was a it broke precedent uh, that this just never had been done. Uh, some same party members have been stripped of their committee assignments, Steve King from Iowa uh, comes to mind. But it had never been done cross-party and it had never been done with a vote. And Nancy Pelosi decided, well, we're just going to uh, break that norm. Well, as promised, Kevin McCarthy, who noted when that happened, that when we're back in power, we're going to basically do the same to you. And he kept his promise. Yay, Kevin. He stripped uh, Eric Swalwell of his committee assignments, including the Intelligence Committee, uh, rightfully so. He also stripped uh, Adam Schiff of his assignments. And then today they voted on... Ian Omar. And you may have noticed how these two uh, incidences were uh, subtly covered in the media. Uh, Associated Press, breaking. House Republicans have voted to oust Democrat Rep. Ian Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. The vote to remove the Somali-born Muslim lawmaker came after her past comments critical of Israel. Okay. Here's how the Associated Press described Marjorie Taylor Greene, breaking. House votes, U.S. House votes to remove Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene from committees for spreading violent, racist rhetoric. Uh, Quite the difference. Um, This was also several just journals with their own thoughts on it. And of course, uh, Axios even meaned her with her quote about being Somali born and I should speak for the Muslim parts of this country and what have you. And so... Um, As I said, you can see the difference in coverage on this if you've just been on the social medias and the Twitter machines and what have you. Um, We also got a fun little temper tantrum from Representative Ocasio-Cortez. As uh, Shanda Misrobian had stated, these are theater kids all the way down, and that's kind of what it is. This is a performance that obviously gets her on several news stations. I'm willing to bet she's probably on Instagram Live talking about it right now. Uh, the funniest thing that kind of noted about Ocasio-Cortez's little rant is she actually singled out Marjorie Taylor Greene and saying the Republican caucus, you know, has members that call upon Jewish space lasers. Well, she's making the point that Marjorie Taylor Greene did make these inflammatory comments. She was removed from committee by the House Speaker and by a by a party line vote, and um, basically, the same thing is being done to Eon Omar for the exact same reason. And of course, we get the the squad doing their little high school play theatrics, and uh, we get all of the media attention. So that's kind of what went down today. If you have thoughts on that, uh, certainly jump in the queue. Um, like I said, also uh, second, success, somewhat successful day on Substack. <laughs> Uh, I haven't like done any major screw ups. I had to re-upload an audio today. Um, it's, I'm, I'm finding it, there's a ton more work to do, um, which is not not complaining. Uh, I knew there was going to be as it's a bigger platform and it's learning all little things. I do plan on either, I'm going to try tomorrow or I'm going to start next week enabling uh founding member chat threads. And I haven't decided how to go about this yet. Um, I'm thinking of setting up like a weekly chat thread. So it just keeps going throughout the week. And then we close shop on Fridays and say goodbye, everybody. See you next week. Um, But that will be a perk for founding members. I'm also aware of uh, the membership charge. And that's something I'm going to be getting in touch with those people who were overcharged with as well. uh, Probably this weekend when I have some downtime to really get on that. So as I know, some of the founding members were charged. Some of you have gotten back in touch with me, which I appreciate uh, but I will be reaching out again individually to figure out uh, how to issue these partial refunds. Um, it's probably just going to come down to Venmo or PayPal or mailing a check like grandma if I have to. So I want to get that straightened out. Uh, but I want to hear about your experience. How do you how are you finding the interface Is commenting good? Um, are the episodes where we need them to be, et cetera, et cetera. We're only too deep, but um I didn't have any major catastrophes so that was good so i want to hear your thoughts uh on on your usage of substack is it better is it worse how is it et cetera how is it treating you um also just general topic i a i'm up for as well so uh we'll go for about an hour as usual i know sometimes we run over a little bit we'll try to get through everyone just uh as usual the ground rules please mute your microphone if you're not speaking if you're uh calling and you're not speaking uh, it just it makes it easier for a published recording. It also helps keep me kind of not distracted. I have the dumb French bulldogs and other noises going on on my end as well. So I'll try to keep that minimum. And then also just be uh, aware that there might be people in the queue behind you. I know that doesn't always work out that way. We've been, we've been pretty good about this lately of getting through everyone. So um, it's good that we got this thing down to kind of a, a fine-tuned uh, c- catastrophic machine. Uh, I'm just going to kind of scroll back. We just have three people there, so uh, if you're new to this, uh, just feel free to jump up there and say anything you really want to talk about. So it's a conversational podcast, and we're live, of course. So, uh, we'll me, just... uh, what's on your mind on any of the I just laid out? Do you think um... it was unfair? Do you think it was unfair to strip Ian Omar? Do you think this is about bigotry? I I do think it's about bigotry, but just not in the ways that.
1: Yeah, I actually I actually didn't think McCarthy was going to do it. I know he said he was going to do it like for a while, but I actually didn't think he was. I thought it was going to just kind of be forgotten about. And I was kind of like, I didn't really care if McCarthy became Speaker. I didn't really care who became Speaker. But so far, I've actually been impressed with some of the stuff he's done. And also, if you mute the if you mute the video of AOC when she's like flipping out and screaming, it looks like if you mute it, it, like it looks like she's in a rap battle. That's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I I mixed it in with the with the podcast this morning Uh, when I was when this thing came out. I'm like, oh, I have to use this, and obviously, it's like with the visuals and everything. And yeah, I mean, people were saying someone said, "Is she out there preaching?" And I'm like, "Oh, yes, she is. She she thinks she's in church right now." And, I mean, she. this is what she does. This is what she thinks she's good at. Um, you know, and, and Rashida Tlaib doing the breakdown and crying. And Cori Bush, it's the same crew every single time that does this. Um, I, I thought Tlaib was funnier because this is like the third time she's broken down crying. <clears throat> and um Talib in particular, I think is probably if we're talking strict anti-Semitism, she's the worst one of the entire bunch. Like by far. I think Talib is way worse than Ian Omar. Yeah, I'm like, pretty sure so she I'm pretty sure she's a map in her office and she crossed out Israel on it. She when she was uh, inaugurated in her first term, she put, in her office had a map of either the Middle East or the map of Europe or whatever, and she put a sticky note over Israel and called it Palestine. She covered the whole like thing with a sticky note. And then when this came out, um, she said she removed it or whatever. And, you know, she apologized. But right now she has the Palestinian flag outside of her office. <laughs> she has she has the American flag. I think she has the pride flag. And I think she has the Palestinian flag, which are basically the same thing at this point. Um, and yeah, I mean, Mark Spade just kind of had her moment. And I think what's always funny about her is she manages to make everything about her And I I wonder how that goes over with even, you know, Omar, members of the squad, where she said, you know, when I got threatened, when you threatened my life, nobody helped me. And she was talking about that meme uh, that Gosar are of of her getting punched or my memory is hazy on it. But it was a meme. It was a joke. And she took it as a death threat when no one like for serious really saw it that way. Um, that's certainly not a defensive of Gosar. I wish all of these fucking people would grow up and just act normal. <laughs> that includes Marjorie Taylor Greene, who she's a Marjorie Taylor Greene's having herself a riot right now over the Chinese spy balloon. Like this is her moment right now. Um, and that's another topic that I'm just seeing. Um, that's right. Lack of taste in comments says it's a, it was an anime meme, um, but I'm just seeing that. Like I am trying to catch up on the Chinese spy balloon shit, which is insane. Um, but yeah, yeah, I found the Chinese spy balloon shit
1: really funny. Um, I'm not, like, a huge Trump guy, like, at least anymore. I just want him to go away. But I, I don't really necessarily agree that Putin wouldn't have invaded Ukraine. I mean, maybe he wouldn't have. But I really don't think when Trump was president, China would have flown the spy balloon over the U.S. Because, like, Trump's so out of pocket, like, he would just, like, like, fucking send a bomb to Beijing or some shit. That's why, like, they, that's he, what makes Trump unique. we he would have shot, shot it out, of out of pocket there. enough that you could, yeah, exactly. He would have shot it out of the air and made, like, a spectacle of it and, like, hung it, the balloon from the top of the White House or some shit. Like, he, like, he would have, like, you couldn't get away with that. But Biden's not even, they're not even shooting it down. There's like, we're going to leave it. We're going to, we're going to put, um, uh, um, uh we're going to put, like, blankets over all of our important military equipment so they can't see it. And they're going to call it a day. And this will be out of the news by tomorrow
0: yeah I don't know I mean it's interesting to me and I'm not you know I'm not going conspiratorial or anything but it's interesting to me that it's been up there for a few days and the biden per per Wall Street journal Biden was advised on it and, and he was advised to shoot it down and they decided not to because they're worried about on the ground like what damage would it do to anybody on the ground i mean it's hovering over fucking canada right now uh, <laughs> you're know. not gonna you're not gonna damage anything and it, and if you do it's it's probably gonna be an improvement well, let's face it if it lands in downtown calgary it's gonna yeah. be an improvement. i so, love all the i love all the memes about liberating
1: canada and how, how all, a lot of groups in canada are taking that seriously and they're like condemning yeah. tucker carlson
0: yeah they, they we should any canadian that wants to be liberated we should OK, let's just, you know, let's give the hockey players that are playing here amnesty and uh, liberate any anyone from the borders that want to wants to come. I, I think we should grant them as refugee status and let them come across the border of, you know, Montana and Minnesota and uh, New York. Let them come across in rafts from Toronto. Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. I, I remember a couple of years ago, like. Some like one of like the liberal like resistant Twitter people made like a new map of like the new map of like North America where it'd be like they split it up so like there'd be like the United States of North America and then there'd be Jesus Land where like all the conservatives could live and they like cut it up and it was supposed to be like insulting to the right and it ended up like everyone on the right was like no this seems fair this is a good this is a good yeah. deal and they and then she ended up like deleting we'll th- it because everyone to we'll, agreed yeah we'll it. take the
0: warm weather I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I agree. What else? What else is on your mind, Tom? I think that's actually it. I was I covered all the bases pretty quickly. <laughs> all right, <laughs> you're making you're making a very stressful time for me easy, so I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: well, I'm liking um, I'm liking Substack so far. I had a little trouble subscribing at first, but now I kind of like figured it out, so it works really well. I, feel, I think like in general, like it operates smoother than it operates smoother than Patreon. But for the first one you posted on it, like. You had like the really echoey audio, like for the intro, and I was like, "Wait a second! There's no way this is going to be
0: it for the whole podcast." No, that was just that was me with a bullhorn. So you know, one of the one of one of the things I'm I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to be a little bit more elaborate on it. I I kind of noticed towards the end of Patreon the last few months. I don't want to say I've been lazy, um, but I'm, I'm trying to cover more topics, I'm trying to add more clips, and I have to record two podcasts, basically. Well, I don't have to record two, but I have to, I, I record one, uh, convert it to a file, convert it to an MP3, and then I have to shorten it for the free freebies, the dregs now. There's no more $1 dregs, they're, they're all free dregs now. They're not even contributing anything at all, so I do still have to give them something. Um, but I'm trying to be a little bit more elaborate with some stuff. If you listen to the intro today, I had some fun with Mark Spay. Um, I think the thing that I'm learning about it is it's also a lot more impersonal. And what I mean by that is until I can get comments straightened out, I talk about this on the podcast as well. You know, Patreon's easy because I don't have to look at your comments. (laughs) I just, they're in my inbox. So they go to my mail. I have a folder, uh, which was originally like a spam folder for my mail and I just relabeled it. And so all of everyone's comments were there. So I can just click on it and I would have to go through them all. And then I'd say, oh, okay, I'm just going to keep that one, and that I'll, I'll do this one on the podcast. And the other thing is I got a notification. It was like, Me- meet new $3 member Tommy. And so that's how I was able to kind of say, hey, here's new, here's new listeners, new member, whatever, hey, and Tommy. And I'm finding it harder to do that kind of stuff with Substack uh, because the emails are a lot more jumbled, I want to say. There's a lot more information in them, and I don't like the format. And so I'm having to kind of go – straight to the comment thread to just kind of look up comments. So, I think it's a little bit more personal for me. I'm going to try to keep up doing comments as much as I can. I'm going to try to keep up giving new members outs but it's it's going to it's really hard right now. So those that's how it is on uh on my uh on my end. So it's good that I do see a lot of positive comments. I do like the interface better. It's cleaner, it's professional. Um so as as long as it's working for other people then that's all I really care about yeah I like
1: it a lot all right thanks
0: Cheers man take care Opie you're up good to see
1: you. hey
2: Steven. um I was uh has been going great for me. I've been giving Katie Herzog and that other idiot money for a while now um I was gonna ask about your thoughts on the last
0: of us and the latest episode which made me cry okay but, but uh, you stop noticed. you because I haven't seen the third episode. So okay. this was that was actually going to be my thing to do tonight, um, right. and so it's funny because I'm I'm pretty good at avoiding spoilers. I don't as soon as as soon as my eyes glance a tweet, I just scroll past or whatever like that. Um, I wasn't even going to kind of get into it, which was funny because I'm really weird like that with TV shows. I have a pile that I want to watch. And I'm just, I don't know if it's my attention span. I don't know what it is. It takes, it takes a lot now for me to get into a show. The last show that I really just let go by the wayside was Game of Thrones. And then I caught up to, um, when everyone was talking about the Red Wedding, I was like, okay, because season two or season two, I think was that. So, uh, everyone was talking about this. So I said, okay, I'm going to go back. And so I caught up season one and then red wedding. And then I was like, ready to go for season three. And I was like, great. And so I, I wrote game of Thrones out, but I don't, I've never like done sit down. There's a new TV show out there. And so last of us came out, I have not played the video game. Uh, I do, I do have a PS five. Um, and, but I'm not really a gamer. I, I use it sometimes to just unwind or, or whatever. I have two games for it. I don't really, you know, get involved with anything. Um, so I never played last of us, the game. I, I don't really like cinematic video games because it feels like you're not doing anything that isn't already programmed for you to do. So if you're playing like a, a cinematic last of us game, you have to go one direction to keep the story going, or, you know, you have to duck here, or you have to figure out, which isn't always bad, but I find that everything is already laid out for you. You just kind of have to move the characters in a certain direction. Um, But I did, so Last of Us came out, did two episodes. I started reading about it. I'm like, okay, it's a good thing I haven't played this game because now I can just go into this fresh. Uh, I liked the first two episodes. I thought the girl was going to bug the hell out of me, and I was like, okay, because she's from Game of Thrones. And that's the other thing HBO does. They recycle actors. They've been doing this going back to Deadwood and Band of Brothers especially, where they'll have an actor who has a supporting role, and then they're like in a starring role for the next thing. They did that with some of the actors from Band of Brothers went into Boardwalk Empire. And then Boardwalk Empire had actors that went into other things as well. And so I watched the first two episodes. I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, I'm glad I didn't play the game, but I did not watch the third episode yet. (laughs) So uh, I've seen a couple of the spoilers, and I've seen that it's supposed to be, like, emotional and stuff like that. But I hope I didn't, like, put out your entire call here no Uh, no my my call
2: was not going to be about that my call was going to be how we have entered a somewhat even more evil cyberpunk uh, 2077 universe this week um i'm sure you have seen the story about uh, it's all about twitch streamers and there's one qt cinderella who there's this whole thing now with ai pornography and making porn of people who did not consent to it. And you have said that you are glad that you're going to be dead by the time this really hits the fan and that I was being 26 are going to have to deal with it. Well, we're dealing with it this week. And um, I have always been a libertarian on just about everything from drugs to abortion to anything. Porn is one of them. But I think we may have found an issue where California kind of Gets something right. There is, they may have not already done it, but there is a bill in California that I think is pushing to have this kind of shit included into uh, revenge porn. Um, That I don't know if it'd be, it wouldn't be illegal to have, but be illegal to make. Um, This is going to be something that's going to be an issue. And Dan Carlin, the. amateur historian said we are entering the last we are exiting the last age of being able to tell what's real or not anymore that soon you're going to have ai voices and we're not going to be able to tell if any video is real or not and this is happening and i don't know how we deal with it i think we're all just kind of yeah
0: so that for, for people who aren't familiar and, I, and I'm not I talked about this on the podcast. I'm not really on Twitch either. I, I have a couple of channels that I sometimes dip into and I talk about I've watched this uh, for years, by the way. So this is I, rough. I talk about the um, yeah, I talk about the the AI Seinfeld that's going off right now, which is incredible. Um <clears throat> and I go into that on in the podcast. And it doesn't really translate to a podcast because you have to watch it and you have to watch you have to be involved with the, the chat that's going on with this. But the, the AI Seinfeld thing is one of those where it feels like a subculture was just born in front of your face. And that doesn't really happen anymore. And so for people who aren't familiar, there was a there's a Twitch streamer called uh QT Cinderella. And uh I'm not familiar with her because again I don't really watch Twitch, but what happened was um Reading reading from a website here, Twitch streamer atrioc came under fire. He's a guy after getting caught purchasing explicit deep fakes of several high profile female Twitch streamers, several of women affected by this website. He purchased from about spoken against deepfakes. So someone's going out and they're creating deepfake porn of Twitch streamers, and then they're broadcasting or they're putting it out there for people to go and download or whatever. And <clears throat> there was I saw a few reactions to it online. Where some were like, you know, she needs to toughen up. And I was just like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like, this this feels like a no-brainer. And you're right that where I do think this has to be legislated somehow. But you're right in the sense of this is one of those things that happened with AI that just happened. Nobody was paying attention to it. And now it's a fucking problem. And that's kind of like where I feel like we're at with like ChatGPT right now where all of this is happening. No one's examining Hey, have you really examined what to do with this? I get that it's you're all putting in debates between, you know, uh, you're all trying to do Trump poems and Biden poems and stuff like that. And and I'm playing around with it that way, too. But on an institutional level, there's no one really going, hey, is this a good thing? It's it's like Jeff Goldblum with the dinosaurs. You know, before you guys put this out there, maybe you should have stopped to think if you should put it out there. And so I do think that deepfake stuff, and you're right about, I've had conversations with people about this, where it's going to come to a point where unless you're talking with someone face-to-face, you're not going to believe a single thing that you see on the internet. Um, I'm one of those people where I think that that isn't necessarily a bad or good thing. It's just, the I think there's a lot of misunderstanding what the internet was when it was born, what it, what it became, what it is now. Um, I think if for the most part, it's just a big open sandbox, you can use it to learn from, you can research, you can, uh, you know, go to YouTube and learn guitar lessons, or you can go to YouTube and I don't know, watch crazy anime shit or whatever. And so I don't know how I really feel about that, but you're right about the the deep fake porn stuff. The imitation of someone's identity is going to be a real problem. And I talked about it a little bit on the podcast today where we're, I, I'm i willing to bet in 2024, we're one election cycle away from it being used politically, where you're going to have a campaign or a dark money pack do like a fake video of, say, Ron DeSantis saying something and uploading it. And before anyone knows that it's fake, before anyone knows about it, it could be to make him say the N-word, for example. And then it's, oh, my God, he said the N-word. Um and it rockets around the Internet, it rockets to the New York Times. It goes, And then we find out, what, four or five days later, oh, this was all fake. Well, it doesn't matter. It's out there and he's a racist. That's just an example. And I don't put it above political campaigns. I'm, I'm willing to bet you right now there are political packs, political groups. Uh, and I'm not even going to say right or left, just probably they're out there working on this stuff and saying, hey, this is what we, you know, let's do this in an ad or whatever. So you're right in the sense of. It 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 feels like we're we're already behind an eight ball on a lot of this stuff. This this is something we should have been thinking about. Like the second deepfake stuff came out, what probably three four years ago is when this stuff was really new. That's when we should have been having these debates. Hey, what if people use this to, as the revenge porn? What if people do this as and and they already have? I think Scarlett Johansson was talking about this. That you had accounts like on Pornhub were putting her face on it, and I and there were a couple other ones, and so. Um. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. And again, the reactions to it from some people were were, were interesting to me. They were eye opening. Some people I followed on Twitter, I was like, "Man, no, this is bad. This is. I think it does have to be put into a, a, a some kind of legislation as far as revenge revenge porn is concerned." Um. But yeah, you're right about. I think, I think we're getting behind this. And like I said, I talked about this thing with the AI Seinfeld. It's funny, and it's funny how the community is memeing this thing, and it's creating an entire subculture. But in the meantime, we're not actually talking about four AI intelligence bots talking to each other and, and working language out and working problem-solving out and doing this, and this is in its infancy, And we know how fast technology moves. Where is this going to be three, four years from now is kind of the issue. And it's one of those things where we should have been discussing this years ago and we're not. And now it's like, oh, I guess we should have done.
2: Yeah, I I see it in a way as kind of this is it's similar to the Internet as a whole. The Internet can be I mean, the Internet is the way that this whole thing exists, the way I'm talking to you now. But it's also. The internet has also kind of ruined and destroyed two generations yeah. now. Mine being one of the, whatever, I'm 99. I don't even know what generation I am, but uh, you're not
0: Opie, OP, were you around for like the birth of MySpace, for instance, and Facebook and, and Friendster and stuff?
2: I remember when, fa- I remember nine eleven, and I remember when Facebook started. I don't remember, <laughs> I never had a MySpace, <laughs> but I remember yeah. when Facebook started. And I remember nine eleven 11 happened. So. I like five or six. I, I count myself as a, the youngest millennial.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I talked about this as well, especially with where we are with TikTok, and you know, I know that there's stuff out there. I, I just it's I don't get in there. Shit I, I don't me. get in there with internet personalities, so um, I, I don't I don't have a big breath of knowledge on it. I just don't like watch internet people because of something. Um, I would say the only guys that I've ever discovered that I've stuck with on the internet is Red Letter Media because they're just like me. They're just cynical GNXers who do, you know. You don't see a whole hope for humanity or entertainment. Um, Fuck you, it's January is over. Um, But I know that there's all this shit going on with Eliza Blue on Twitter. And I don't comment on, I read, I read a lot of things that I don't really ever comment on. But you can, you can try, when I heard about all this stuff, I'm like, oh, of course it's a MySpace kid. Like, MySpace was the first place that created personality cults out of just normal people they weren't celebrities but you could become a celebrity and so you had a few of them you had the forbidden girl you had tila tequila and you had a few others and then bands um, could use it to upload music and that's what me and a few guys used it for eventually and you can draw a straight line to the kind of fame chasing that online personas create and whether it's MySpace, people create an online persona. Then Facebook doesn't really lend itself to that, but it does with media companies. Twitter lends itself to becoming, you know, a, a media persona, a fame-chasing persona. Um, I guess, I mean, I, you could even use me in an example. I, I didn't start out as a media journalist. I didn't do any of that stuff. And I um, I started out just kind of commenting on things. I've, I've always been a writer, and I've always done, like, design and stuff, but I've never – I never got it into this kind of place, and then I just gained a following, so I started a website, and now you're all giving me money for Substack. I wouldn't say that I'm that kind of person, but you can see who those people are and who they exist. And when you let that kind of stuff take you over, now you look at TikTok, and you're right about how generations have just been destroyed. TikTok is creating an entire generation of female Patrick Bateman's. You know where? You know this is how I start my day. I go to the office and I make a smoothie. Then I go up to the roof for some Krag Maga. and then I go and eat. It's just kind of like there there is a level of sociopathy that's either being fed or created, and I guess that's ooh, that's why I just never really got into a lot of that stuff. Even on Instagram, my Instagram is I have thirty five followers. I think or no, I have more than that. It's like a hundred but I don't use it to market. I don't use it doing it. It's just kind of my personal Instagram and I don't follow content that does that. And so I find a lot of that stuff weird. Like uh, when I looked up QT Cinderella and you said you've been following her for years. So what does she do exactly? Like what is her, what is her thing on Twitch or what is her online? It's
2: like a lot of it surrounds some of it surrounds games, some of it, like I just I've I have not been following her per se. I've just known about her. She is dating another rather famous Twitch streamer named Ludwig. Oh, and good. She, and like that's they, and they know they know that Hassan Piker jackass who sinks uh, idiot nephew. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, I've just known about them for a while. And you know, I, am I a fan of hers? No. But like, you know, you can't help. You could hate this person. And you can't help but just have your heart break when you watch that video. And then yeah. Yeah, I saw some of the, 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 I don't know, trad con, uh, get over it takes, which just makes you even lose more hope for humanity yeah. um, <laughs> in response to that. It's yeah. Really I
0: much. mean, some, some things shouldn't be left, right, political. Some things are, no, this is bad. You should not, you should not spread, you know, porn, you know, DC non-consensual porn. porn
2: of someone. That's, it's fake to begin with. No. Um, but before this goes into a even sadder topic we have an Eagles fan behind us that and I don't want to make Eagles fans uh, angry and I can neither confirm nor deny that Joe was that guy who was uh, unveiling himself um, in Philadelphia after
0: the win so I'm gonna hang up all right it'll be good topic a lot lot of good stuff and it's you're right it's it is one of these things where uh, you know as I as I joke around with AI and stuff like that that's that's kind of why I've been watching the not, nothing forever, the watch me forever, never ending sitcom, because there is an element of black mirror to it. But on the other hand, it's fascinating on how like random it is. And um, it's something that plays to my kind of internet subculture humor. Um, so I did put a link for it in the podcast because I know talking about it, it's one of those things online where talking about it doesn't do it justice. It's like kind of like talking about Twitch streamers, You don't, unless you know who they are, you know the content. Then there's probably a lot of people out there just kind of like oh, but yes. Le- let me go on record and say deep fake porn is bad. Okay. No, I'm not one of those ban all porn trad people either. But yes, deep fake porn, porn against someone's will or someone's permission is bad. Joe, he just talked a bunch of shit about you and your football team. Are you okay. are you excited to see Gardner Minshew defeat the Kansas City Chiefs? Before
3: before I answer that question, I love nothing more than uh conversation transition between porn and the Philadelphia Eagles, because, boy, is there a lot of overlap there as an Eagles fan. Oof. No, no uh, you know, greased poles are going to stop us drunk vagrants from celebrating any kind of victory. And yes, I am incredibly excited for the Eagles front defensive line <laughs> to probably dislocate every bone in Patrick Mahomes' body and then... Have Gardner Minshew
0: starting the fourth quarter and lead the birds. (laughs) Just give him the snaps. Uh, Yeah. People ask me like, this must be a hard one for you. It's, it's your Eagles who it's Philadelphia, which again, is just, you know, a a historical armpit uh, versus the racist Kansas city chiefs and the, and the racist fans who do that tomahawk chant. It's just sickening. Um, I I don't believe that this is who we are as a country in 2023, Um, but I can't root for the chiefs on anything. Um, and I wouldn't normally root for the Eagles, but you guys have America's quarterback. You have Gardner Minshew, uh, who, who, you know, I'm predicting is probably going to have to come in and probably save the day at the end. And then he's going to retire and I'm going to have to find a different Broncos quarterback on Madden next year, which I'm not looking forward to. Uh, sorry. I was thinking, I was thinking probably Cooper (laughs) Rush next year will be my, if, if, because Minshew's talked about, he's talked about. If he can't start, which he might, he might find a team that he might like, Carolina or the Texans, or you know, someone who just needs a, a bridge year. Um, he might, but he's also talked that he wants to go into coaching uh, because of Mike Leach. And there, I saw somewhere if he if he wins a Super Bowl ring, he's just going to hang it up and go into coaching. So I might have to go after Cooper Rush next year for my Broncos quarterback.
3: I mean, in in, in his defense, he probably should do that because you know, the, the the previous and first time Eagles Super Bowl champion, woohoo, uh Nick Foles, he probably should have taken that advice because like that was the apex of his career right there. The backup quarterback, Cinderella story, winning the Super Bowl for the Eagles, and then he's just like, you know, spends every season ever since then in a backup quarterback. World. It's like, dude, yeah, but did you, you see did you see how
0: much money he's made? He's like he's like the highest earning Backup quarterback in the history of the NFL. He's made something like a hundred million dollars, just as being Nick Foles. It's that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Like he, he. The thing is, is that like he's basically he's the Kirk Cousins of backup quarterbacks. He has moments of pure brilliance, and other times it's just he's Kirk Cousins on a Monday night game. But, you know, when it mattered most, he, he showed up most. Oh, and also he's Kirk Cousins because he's able to negotiate ridiculous salaries. Most of it deserved, but still.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see where America's quarterback lands next season. So uh, I'd like to see him start somewhere. I, th- I don't think he's great. I think he's serviceable. And I would certainly fucking take him over what my team has now.
3: <laughs> yeah, no,
0: no, for sure.
3: Um, the only point I wanted to make tonight, and I love how um, every single uh, perceiving caller has had a different topic, so I'm going to keep the general theme of schizophrenia for tonight going. Um, my, my topic is uh, I kind of wanted to expand a little bit more on um, your uh, inaugural Substack episode, which, by the way, really liking Substack so far. Um, I subscribe to um, some other people, but I'm a, a bloodsucking leech on some of them just because they primarily do writing. So you're the only one I pay money for, so yay.
0: Um, re, yeah, real fast. What's interesting is I, I've had discussions with one of the co-founders of Substack. I mean, uh, Substack basically helped me move, and no, they didn't pay me to move. I'm not. I don't see any retainer fees from them at all. But he was talking about like how it's not used as a podcasting platform, and that's a little weird. Like he says that there's definitely things there, but it's primarily a newsletter and writing platform, and they're trying to expand podcasting. Um, but I found that that one was kind of weird. That they don't Substack isn't isn't hasn't really been used for multimedia. It's just been used like by the old school newsletter.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, and um, and and I I do have to say so far I do I do really like the functionality of it. Um, it did it did take just a little bit of getting used to just because you know was uh, was pretty used to the Patreon app, bugs, glitches, and all that came with that. So. Just getting used to it but i do uh, I do very much like I'm um, enjoying the experience so far um the point I wanted to make tonight and it'll be really quick is um on your first episode
4: um, and from your spectator piece where you Trump uh
0: breaking up a little bit but uh, uh,
4: Sorry.
0: Start over, Joe. You're you're breaking up a bit. I don't know if it's the app or if it's me, but uh, I got I got the Trumps back.
3: Oh, okay. Um, I think that the whole theme of his candidacy is basically the physical manifestation of why. Because fuck you. That's why he doesn't have to really come up with a policy explanation for making America great again, again, again. He's just basically he he's not going to come out and necessarily say because it's owed to him I don't think he like he definitely thinks that but basically he's just gonna he, go he in is kind of saying race.
0: that he is he he was on Hugh Hewitt today and Hugh Hewitt either read my piece or he cripped off it because he asked Trump is do you, is this gonna be a revenge tour?" And Trump said, no, but that's but now you heard with Nikki Haley jumping in. He said she's she needs to just kind of learn to sit down. And he is kind of positioning it as, yes, this is owed to me because I did not.
3: Yeah, right, right. I I guess I guess in that in that sense, yes. But I think that, like, with how he's been handling everything so far, um, he's basically been copying and pasting DeSantis's achievements slash his proposals yeah. and making them his own. Yeah. So I mean like if if there's if there's any more evidence as to like just a shameless uh, you know display of fuck you, I can do it, that's why, then like I think that's all his campaign is just going to be. He's not he doesn't have original thoughts anymore. He's not really cut out for the moment, but he is going to be that guy who is relying on past glories, the guy who's at the bar every Friday night talking about Four touchdowns in one game, Al Bundy, you know, and and, and like he's going to coast on that nostalgia and, and just like not be looking towards the future. He's going to be reminiscing the glory years. And I mean, he's the only difference is, is that he actually has a, you know, he has a bulldozer that he's already been, you know, maintaining and just driving over everyone to start off with until a more well-oiled machine defeats him. And
0: that's yeah. yeah, I think his problem is when 2016 happened, he really was such an unknown commodity as far as like, people knew who Trump obviously is, but it was like, okay, how's he going to do this? And he was treated as just a clown show. People forget his first campaign. There was like nobody. It was him and a few advisors and it was his money. And as he started to gain steam and gain steam, more people jumped on and jumped on. And if there was a debate moment where Jeb Bush, Looked down at him and said, Donald, you're not going to insult your way to the presidency. And Donald basically said, You watch me. And because people were just, they didn't want Jeb Bush. They didn't like Marco Rubio because of immigration. And Ted Cruz is kind of weirdo. And Rand Paul is a short libertarian with a, you know, a jerry curl. And so everyone was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, who was it? It was the comedian. Um, oh God, I forgot his name. Who was on SNL got canceled. And he basically just said, Trump is the only guy who's who's never answered a single question in a debate and he's never lost. And it'd be like, you know, he just did Fuck you, Rand Paul. And everyone would cheer. And he doesn't have that this time. There are a candidate or maybe two that people are kind of like, yeah, we like this guy. And, If Trump goes after them in a certain way, like he's doing, it's going to repel those people. And Trump is always going to have his people. And that's, you know, that's fine. But his people right now aren't enough to, one, secure nomination or to secure an election victory, a general election victory. If he's the nominee, they'll all fall in line. Um, But I guess I look at it and I say he can't run as an insurgent. And I've made this point because he is the establishment. And that's, I think he's vulnerable on that because yeah, I guess you can still look at Mitch McConnell and his wife, Coco Chow, as the establishment. Okay. Um, but Trump was a former president. Uh, he helped get Rona McDaniel elected. He endorsed her and she won. And he endorsed Kevin McCarthy as speaker and he won. And so watching Trump kind of push away from his accomplishments is going to be one of the funnier things. Like for him to come out and say, Uh, drain the swamp. And it's like, well, you just endorsed the swamp. You just endorsed McCarthy. You just endorsed McDaniel. Um, And for him to still kind of play both sides is going to kind of be funny. Obviously, the vaccine is going to be a really just a hellish thing that we're all going to go through. And I don't think he can get away with attacking governors who implemented his vaccine policy. He's going to try that, but it still was his thing. Someone said, you know, someone said to me last night when I posted my spectator piece, you sound like you've been boosted recently. And I don't reply, but my reply there would have been, you mean boosted with Trump's warp speed vaccine that he came out with? Um, that's going to be tough. And so I agree that he is going to kind of be that guy at the bar. Um, the problem with that is if you don't like him that that guy at the bar is generally pretty popular at that bar, or he wouldn't be allowed to come, keep coming back there. And so it's gonna be, it's gonna be another messy primary. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see who all jumps in, who thinks about jumping in but doesn't, and then who decides to do it anyway. And I, I still look at this and I say, I think a certain sector of DC media and Bulwark media is going to convince Liz Cheney to jump in this race strictly for the food fight, strictly to suck up the oxygen, because that's all it will be. You'll have five, six candidates on the stage, and then you'll have Liz Cheney and Trump, and the hour-long debate will be those two arguing, and not a single GOP candidate is going to be able to get their word in. And they better be prepared for how the media is going to treat this, because they, one, believe Trump can't win again. (laughs) Watch him, is what I would say to that. And two, they're going to make sure that candidates like, say, a Florida governor or the Georgia governor or the current uh, Virginia governor, uh, who might all jump in, they are not going to get their say. in. that's how they're going to engineer this race. And I guess I looked at this and I'm I'm just asking the question, why? Why does Trump think he needs to run? And you say, just because fuck you. Um, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Not that there's any nuance to Trump. But I do really think it's I lost. I need to win again. I can't. I cannot lose. I need to win. Well, just wanting to win isn't good enough because now you're still going to be president for four more years. And the second he wins, everybody knows what's coming. I deserve a third term because my first one was all rushed.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I'll just I'll just leave it with this. Um, there is nobody else in American political life that can pull off what he has in terms of contradictions and just being a paradox. He hires the best people and yet the best people continuously fail him. He is anti-establishment, but he's also the ex-president. He's able to exist and, and like to, to that extent, I think he's also a Rorschach test for a lot of people. People look at him and they project Their uh, you know, fantasies, hopes, and dreams, and like you know, worst ever fears onto him. I don't think that there has ever been anybody in American political life that kind of exemplifies and just like exists wholly beyond like these paradoxes. And the thing is, they have never been crippling for him. He's just basically worn them on his sleeve and just gone about it so incredibly shamelessly. And I think that's why. It's something you can't imitate. All of the people that he endorsed and even, you know, like with Carrie Lake, who are really just more than anything, his imitators and heir apparent. How well did that work out for her? Last time I checked, she's not governor of Arizona because his style is unique to him and him alone. He has this uncanny ability that no one else can to do what it is that he does. And so everybody else is just what they are as imitators.
0: So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jane Coatsen has hammered this point a lot where, you know, people talk about Trump and Trumpism. And she's one of these that says there is no Trumpism because Trumpism so far without him has failed. It, it doesn't exist. And she's talked about that, that all of the people who try to bring, who try to adopt Trumpism, they end up losing Blake Masters, Kerry Lake and Doug Mastriano and uh, oh, God, he, the other names of, you know, these people who should just be on Political Apprentice, um, they end up losing. And so she she's pretty adamant about that Trumpism exists in a vacuum of Trump. It, it, you're right in the sense of it's only him that can do this. How is he able to do it? I, I don't know. Like, I genuinely I gave up asking that question the the moment he got the nomination. I'm like, OK, I'm out. Um But you're right. And it's it's one of those things that a good chunk of the media and in particular, Bulwark Media, Dispatch Media, anti-professional, anti-Trump media. When I say professional anti-Trump, like I'm pretty anti-Trump, but I'm not paid to be anti-Trump is the point. Um, uh, I'm talking about professional outlets that are paid to do this nonstop, 24-7, every single day. And they don't understand this. And the reason they either don't get it or they don't get it on purpose is because they need Trumpism. You're already starting to see it. Uh, good old Jonathan Last from The Bulwark is now saying Trump is losing the grifter class to Ron DeSantis. And ri- it's so obvious what they're doing. You see, Like right there, you just go, it's Chris fucking day what you're trying to do here and they don't care. They're going to try to kind of transfer Trumpism onto whoever it is, unless it's Larry Hogan or Liz Cheney. Well, it's not going to be either of those two. So if it's Nikki Haley, they're going to transfer that over to Nikki Haley. If it's uh, Tim Scott, they're going to transfer that over to Tim Scott. If it's DeSantis, they're, they're going to do that. And the first real test about that was that those people did not support Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin was the first like post-Trump, Normal politician that came around like he really was. And what happened? Bill Kristol donated to Terry McAuliffe. That's what happened. And so, you know, those people are full of shit and, you know, they have to transfer Trumpism to whomever it is that they don't approve of. And Again, I I agree with Coats on this, is that he hasn't shown that it can actually transfer. Um, You you see the videos of DeSantis supposedly doing hand gestures like Trump, like whatever. They're trying so hard to make that happen. And again, with Trump, his problem is nobody liked anyone else in 2016. They wanted, they they want, Trump was the vessel to kick the shit out of Jeb Bush to his face. And people love that. And now there is one or two options that people actually like. And what happens is what happens when Trump starts attacking someone they like is going to.
3: Yeah. Well, crystal also donated a few tiki torches as well. I <laughs> seem to recall. Yeah. All right. Well, Steven. All right. Well, thanks so much. Good speaking with you. Enjoy the episode of the last of us. It was very good. Um, and go Eagles, or I guess I'll stay with you, go Gardner Minshew.
0: Yes. No, I'm rooting for Gardner Minshew, even if he's going to be he's going to be a Super Bowl champion. And that's that's going to be something that um, it's going to follow him for the rest of his life. And, and it should, because, again, he's America's quarterback. Uh, Schnorrflip. Great. Uh, whatever. But uh, go ahead. Look like a new, new <coughs> a newbie, which we
5: that that should be snorful puppy this is my this is my lightly anonymized uh, internet uh, identity because i want to be a content creator but i i don't want to get canceled so i i'm trying to thread the needle between those two it, it is a dilemma of our time that's for sure it is so um i joined as a founding member over on substack uh, under another name um, and the reason why is because I've kind of followed your example as far as content creation goes, um, messed around with Substack, and also I, uh, we've been doing a, a live call-in uh, on Fridays. So um, I appreciate the pointers to the platforms and, and also appreciate what you're doing. Uh, just a comment on the, uh, uh, the comments on your uh, Substack posts. Um, I get those in the email that I registered for Substack, so I'm not. Every time I get a new comment, I, I get uh, a new email popping in, just like what you described on Patreon. So really? I'm, so I'm not so sure what's wedged so, on your side, but
0: so if you, so if like so today on today's episode, two twenty two twenty three, whatever, comments are enabled for members, and so it, it's only if you comment or do does. Mm-hmm. So okay, so if you don't comment on the comment section, you don't get anything. It's just you get the episode, and that's great. If you jump in and you comment, you get mm-hmm. a notification for everything.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yeah, I get.
5: So I, I'm just looking at one, and um, uh, I I'm got gonna, a comment. I'm uh, gonna try to
0: fix that. I'm gonna okay. talk, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to them about that. Um, that might be a default setting that I don't know about. Um, uh, again, this, uh, I'm I'm new to Substack. I've been playing around with it for the last few months. But as far as with interactions with users, that's obviously new to me. Um, I'm going to whether you like it or not. That just sounds annoying to me, at least. So I'm going to try to get that turned off. That's dumb.
5: Yeah, um, the one uh, the one thing that I've noticed is uh, all of the. Email messages start with the subject line of "new comment on" oh, and then the post title. <laughs> so if you if you could filter those, that might that might keep the noise down a little bit. But yeah, then,
0: that's bad. That's just. Uh, a I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll email them about that tomorrow morning.
5: So yeah, yeah. But no, I had no problem. Maybe because I'm a Substack user, I, I had no problem getting on, subscribing. Uh, even got the podcast feed into my antiquated Podcatcher. Um, so every time you, uh, you throw an episode out, it, it shows up for me. So, I, I mean, as far as, you know, user experience, it couldn't have gone smoother. Yeah. I mean,
0: I wish I, the only thing that almost happened when I was uploading podcasts and I wrote out the description, I'd done a few practice rounds, and, you know, holy shit, he just published a practice thing. Um, yeah. The only thing that like happened is so I I'd written out a whole uh, like article or bio for the podcast, which I said I'm going to be more extensive over with over here, and then I hit something and it and it went away. Like I went to fix something, and I'm just like, okay, uh, I did copy it to a Word document, so I saved it, but um, I didn't really have any problems. Which I'm not one of those people. I'm one of those people where I practice a thousand times on a launch, like I did with Patreon three years ago. Yep. And then something goes wrong. It, uh, just that's just it, it, that's who I am, and I, I, I sometimes have struggled with a ton of details that I have to cover. And I think because I I drawn this out so much, like it was like three months of you know. I think the first announcement was in August of last year. And so I drawn this out for so long that I practiced with enough to where I was like, okay, everything looks good. Like, you know, and like, I'm a, I'm a child of the challenger explosion. So I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. one of those people where it's like, this is not going to go well. Um, Mm -hmm. but yesterday did. And then I, the other thing is I'm having to keep track of the episode. Like I have to do a shorter episode, a longer episode and make sure the audio's there. And, um, I had my first foobar of that today, but I got that fixed. So. Um, I, it went surprisingly well. And then it's the second I had it, I had everything uploaded. Um, I was pretty relaxed with it. And then when it, once it was published and it was out there, I was like, okay. And I'm like, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like standing in my place like, okay. And then I had to go see my trainer and I just told him, I just need you to kick the shit out of me today. Like full on kick the shit out of me because I have just, I realized I had so much built up tension from this and um, he did he 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 took me to town so but i'm I'm mainly and the reason i i'm like this is i'm i want it to work for you guys i Mm -hmm. don't like things that don't look unprofessional i don't like things that look you know like i didn't put time into it and i want it to work um those are just kind of my high design standards it's my high content standards And so that's usually where all of that tension and stress comes from. It's just like, I don't want to be associated with, you know, uh, uploading something that is subpar or something fucks up. And then, yeah, Yeah. nothing, nothing fucked up. And so (laughs) I was a little surprised. I'm waiting for one. I'm that that's where I go to now. I'm now waiting for the next thing. Okay. I'm like today went pretty well. Yeah. And I just did, I had one audio glitch I had to fix, but I was like, no, everything's going pretty good. And so, um, I, I'm going to talk to them about sub and someone might, someone out there might know this. So I might just put that one to the room. Someone who's used Substack might know how to turn that off. So if you're out there on call in and you know how to turn that feature off, please let me know, either tweet at me or DM me or jump in the queue so we can just straighten that out. But that I'm going to try to get that turned off. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Um, when I
5: was, uh, I- uploaded a few podcast episodes as well as some audio clips, um, that other people had sent me. And, and the first few, it was just like, Oh, I got to go through and I got to get rid of the ums and the Oz and everything like that. And by about the third podcast, I was just like, fuck it. I'm yeah. I don't,
0: I don't do that. I, I leave that in because I'm, I'm kind of a freewheeling conversationalist. So I leave in the eyes, I leave in the, um, not, not, not all of them. Um, just just because I think it's, ref- especially in what we do, especially what I do, is it, it, a lot of podcasts are just so kind of rehearsed or off script. Um, and not that any of that's bad, but that's just not me. Um, and what's what's funny is now with the free episodes where I cut them off after a segment, I have to do a little bit of dialogue where it's, um, hey, make sure you
5: go over and you subscribe. To, and I've
0: struggled <laughs> with two days now doing it.
5: Um I, I feel your pain because I have a little script piece. Because if I try to freewheel it at the end, you know, I'm I'm trying to get people over to the to the Substack to subscribe, um, you know, and, and to, to join, call in, and it's like bah, 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 If I don't if I don't read the script, so I, I yeah, understand
0: well, completely. So, something that was funny is when I was doing some work for Fox, and uh, when I lived in in New York City. Uh, at least downtown Brooklyn, at least, um, they wanted me doing commentary. I think Dave Marcus does it now, um, where you bring in and you, you just rap for about 10 minutes on one topic. It's like mm-hmm. a short commentary between, while well, they change programs. And because they listened to my podcast, I'd obviously been on Gutfeld and I've done some work with them. And so I was like, okay, sure. But they're very strict about it. Like you have to write a script out and you have to send it to them. And then they kind of uh, obviously because it's Fox, it's a studio. So they're very, they're very picky on that kind of stuff. And so they would, you'd write out a script and then they would send it back to you. And then it's like, okay, this is finalized. Let's see you tomorrow. And then I would go in and I go into the sound booth, you put on the headphones and I fucking bombed it. Like I could not, (laughs) I could not get it together. It just sounded stiff. I sound candid. And, and, uh, I think I did three of those and then they were like, thanks, but no thanks. And, um, I'm just not great at that. It's just not, it, it's one of the reasons why I like not having sponsors is because on the Conservatarians, there was a reason why John Gabriel always read the sponsor content because yeah. I, he's good at that. He's Dr. Demento. Um, I'm just not, I'm not professionally trained in that kind of communications thing. I'm sure I, I could get better at it, which I think I have, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I don't ever really cut out a lot of the us and the ahs because I think that that's part of, just how i've come around with doing this my you know i do notice my cadence is better than when i started and things like that but um yeah i I leave all of that i leave kind of the the scars in there most of the time and and some of the background noises and the frenchies and shit like that i think it just makes it more authentic (laughs) and i think authenticity is is a underrated quality in this field that i'm in and then what some of us else are in
5: yeah, uh, that's actually where I got my nickname from. Is my my office mate will sit behind me and uh, find some place interesting to lick on her crotch, and then oh, wonderful. just sit there and just go after it. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, that's my okay." That there's my nickname right there. So she's my avatar. Nice. What's can I do a plug audit? or no? I'm sorry. Can I do a plug?
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you what's your Substack so people can find it.
5: It is post. Afterthoughts.substack.com, Great. and the call-in is post Afterthoughts live, um, and and together on Friday nights. What, what's the topic, or what's the what's what's
0: the general feel that uh, your Substack's on, in, in the call? So in.
5: you you mentioned the Hewitt show earlier. Um, we have a community of listeners that have been around for um, oh shit probably. 2006 2007 some of us you know have been just core listeners since then um and we've really gotten connected with Dwayne Patterson their producer yeah and he was doing a um he's doing a show Tuesday through Friday nights uh called the after show and then it it came along um you know it decision came down from Salem on high that said thou shalt not do this anymore um because it's taking too much of your time so this was our attempt to kind of keep the community together. We we are uh referred to as Tribbles um by uh Hugh and uh, that's kind of the name we've adopted for ourselves. I, I see I see a couple uh, down in uh, in the audience. I don't know if uh um I don't know. I don't want to call them out, <clears throat> John, but um anyway, um uh, so uh yeah, we we just kind of do we get on call in is is just kind of our our Uh, sit around and BS on on Friday night call uh, before some of the music events that that Dwayne does. Great. Um, (laughs) Schnorrflip puppy. I'm going to take
0: Andrea here who says it's easy to fix that comment thing on Substack. So I'm going to move her here and just go ahead and hang out and listen and she's going to basically instruct us all how to do that.
5: Appreciate what you
0: do. Cheers. Take care. Uh, Eric and Alex. Alex uh, Andrea here, who is, uh, knows how to do this. Go ahead and educate us all, please. Okay, so, um. maybe may turn your hair dryer off. It's not a hair dryer, it's a tanning bed, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was tanning.
4: I'm, I'm gonna be out of here in just like two minutes, so hopefully it'll get quiet for you guys, so I'm sorry. Um, you, you hit the topic when I was like, about why are you laughing?
0: No, I'm not. Do you want me to take care Yeah, first? you can take them, so I okay. can get dressed and get out of here, and then it'll be
4: quiet.
0: Thank you. Abby. Okay. All right. No, <laughs> just jump back up a little bit. I will.
4: Oh.
0: Amazing. Uh, Eric, go ahead. That, that was. Eric's Eric's gonna unmute himself, and it's gonna be. What
4: a coincidence, uh, Eric! If you're the I'm reading some of the
0: comments here. Andrea's <laughs> Andrea is unloading grain. Andrea is doing yard work. She's flying an airplane. Oh, good stuff! It's funny. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump Alex up. Eric, I'm sorry if you hear me. Jump back into the queue. Alex, uh, go ahead. Hopefully you're uh, you're you're not in the tanning bed. Also, I am in my um, I'm in my
6: study. No, this no one's um, disturbing me so far.
0: You're in you're in Australia, right? Yes, I am. Okay, it's so no nobody's gonna disturb. You even, in Australia. I, I picture you not well, having... I, I picture you like Banties of Inersin where you don't have a neighbor. You have to walk down a cobblestone road to get to your neighbor.
6: Well, yes, I do that. I do um, like half an hour a walk to get to the mall that my house is near. And yeah, you're right. It's kind of like Ireland in that, except there are some people who claim that, that my country does not even exist.
0: At least not as a prison colony.
6: <laughs> yeah, um, we're kind of like that. But there's actually a meme, a conspiracy where people think Australia does not even exist. Oh, it's anyway, not
3: even so, on the
0: map.
6: Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a really great YouTube video about a YouTube channel who basically spread that conspiracy. It's it's really really funny and absurd. Um and it would be really surprising if it turns out he met he met an Australian and yeah, he then realized, oh, we do exist. Anyway, so I'm just um I'm just calling in because um congrats on the Substack, by the way. I have a Substack newsletter uh that I've been running for like two years and it's quite small. What what's what's the
0: title? for people that for people It's called
6: lack of dot I mainly write about movies there and it's usually about the kind of thing things people when people talk about movies, I want them I want to write about how they talk about movies, not simply you know when they talk about movies it's not simply about representation. It's not simply about oh, um, whatever film Twitter is talking about, and, you know, if there's, like, a, for example, if there's a sex scene in a movie, and they complain that there is a sex scene in a movie, I basically says, okay, you got a point, but just because you said that, that doesn't mean that sex scenes are going to stop. So that's just one example of the things that I talk about on my sub So that's basically... Um, a what's, in... what,
0: what's funny here is I know your Substack, and i spoke spoken to you. And I had no idea that that was you. Yeah, yeah. Now <laughs> I just this, this yeah, is a and... little awkward. This is a little awkward. If you go to at lack of taste on Twitter, um, there's Alex, and he does a lot of good film stuff.
6: Yeah, uh, and I also interview people um, who are not uh, professionally in the film business about their favorite movies. So I have actually interviewed uh, Matt Continenti about his book, as well as one of his favorite movies called, which is Sweet Smell of Success. If you have seen that movie, uh, go check it out. Um, I do that on occasion, and I've also interviewed Matt Labash, um, and that was loads of fun.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a good egg.
6: Yeah. So I'm just calling in um, to say, Congrats on, the, congrats on the substack, but also um, if you have any thoughts on this weird thing that, you know, on Twitter where, you know, some conservative some accounts are putting itself in private because <laughs> is not yeah. big enough or their Reach is not big enough. So Elon joined in. So I'm just interested about what what is the logic behind you know, the engagement. I I, I, like, I understand like why people would have concerns about shadow banning and how that will be censorship. But I've never heard that the remedy of, of locking your accounts just to increase engagement.
0: I, I am not convinced it's not a 4chan troll. That's me. That's how, that's my thing. That's how I look at all of this stuff. Um, I, the, the joke, and I've retweeted people making fun of this is I don't ever really worry about my engagement. I do if it's financial, So like my sub, like when I'm trying to push out a new sub stack and I'm like, worried if I'm shadow band or engagement, because I know for a fact last year from basically August to November, uh, my subscribership died on Patreon. It, it came to a standstill and I've never experienced that before. Um, and so I was pretty much convinced I, my account was either being throttled due to the election or whatever. And then it, it turns out that was true because the second Musk came in and broke Twitter, my engagements went through, my follower account went through the roof. I started, getting sub, I started getting subscribers again. And as I said, I don't really say, I don't really talk out loud about that stuff because why give the bastards the pleasure? That's kind of how I look at that. Just plow through it um this thing with the locked account i don't even know Uh, i don't i don't really care about engagement i uh, not to be not to go all ivan drago here but i tweet for me i don't really ever pay attention to who's reacting to my tweets i do obviously because i'm in media and stuff like that I, i i'm mindful of the outlets that i write for but usually they're fine with whatever i tweet because that's why they have me writing for them Um, I, I don't ever really care that much about my engagement numbers. I I tweet what I want to tweet. I tweet things that are funny to me, uh, if I'm attacking a media or journal for being dishonest or whatever. and And if you follow me, you see that I'm kind of all over the map, even in five tweets. And, um, I don't know what they're doing. I don't, and I guess more importantly, I don't care. Um, I I guess I'm on Twitter partly, I mean, obviously is activism. Um, I'm on, I'm on Twitter for my writing. I'm on Twitter to, to put out a message and to kind of push back against a lot of this bullshit. Um, but I'm also on Twitter to talk with people and tweet with people. And and that's one thing, you know, people have noticed with me. I, I will tweet with accounts that are anonymous. I'll tweet with accounts that have five followers. I'll retweet accounts with 10. I don't really care about all of this kind of self-imposed standards that people have put into Twitter. Um, I've never done one of those retweet if you agree things. I've never done a I'm being shadow banned, retweet if you see my tweets. Um, I did see some like several like pretty credible accounts doing it too. They were like, no, this works. But if I lock my account, um, that means I, I, I can't engage with people. And so I'm just kind of like... This is stupid. Like, I, <laughs> I don't even care. It's It feels like one of those things where it's just, you guys care about this. I don't. This isn't what I'm here for. Um, whatever. You got, lock your accounts, whatever. I mean, there's, there, like, Kyle Smith in Wall Street Journal, and I'm sure you know, he's locked his account. And yeah. I, I guess if you, if you want your account to just be seen, if that's what this is about, okay, then go do that. I guess I look at it, and I'm just like, I don't, I look at these things, and I'm like, this has to be a 4chan joke, because it feels that way, and then Elon Musk did it, and then a bunch of other people did it, and Dave Rubin is out there trying to get people to stop leaving Twitter, and I just, I don't screw around with all of that stuff. I'm pretty insulated from a lot of that, I guess, is how I look at it.
6: I think that's where you kind of hit the nail on the head, is that The smaller your platform is, the more engagement you get. So I kind of understand where these people are coming from, especially if you're running a Substack newsletter. Because I've written, I've written and blogging for about like more than 10 years now. And I've noticed that Substack has better engagement compared to like Blogspot or WordPress um, because those people will come in. Um, in the in with Substack, and you care about cultivating that audience rather than whatever's in WordPress, because you can post something in WordPress, but you don't expect everyone to come and have and read read it. Yeah. Um, and what I've know, and by the way, I I do lo- love Carl Smith. Um, I think he's a he's a great writer. Um, so get give him a shout out. I, I, what I was gonna say is that Elon Musk. Um, the way he, doesn't he have like a team of engineers to no. um, talk <laughs> about this? But why I'm... why is he getting it from Catered, of all people?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, the one thing I I will say, and I don't I don't agree necessarily with the practice of how he's just turned into kind of like a certain kind of reply guy. I do appreciate, it's like customer service. Yeah, I do appreciate that in some way he is there to respond. Because that's not what Jack Dorsey was, and that's not what old Twitter was. And old Twitter was moving toward that kind of interaction, where journalists would not respond to you. They, just, they locked their accounts, or not locked their accounts, but they locked down replies. I'm going to speak, you're going to listen. They were trying to turn Twitter into an old school, like newspaper or a platform or a blog, which is I talk, you listen, I'm above you because I'm, I'm in media, you're my audience and that's where you belong. And Musk blew that all up right when it was getting really bad. And so I guess I do appreciate that he's at least engaged on the platform. Do I agree with his engagements? Not really. I, I don't understand how he just pops up and like, replies to every single random I'm shadow man, here's an interaction. And he's like, yes, that's weird. I'm gonna check that out. Um, but I guess I do at least appreciate the sentiment that he is there to he 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 genuinely comes off like someone who doesn't hate what Twitter is as a platform. And and previous Twitter, when I think Trump was elected, they shifted and they were like, we've created a monster. We're Twitter is responsible for President Trump. They're probably half right about that by the way. Um, but there was no no social media platform that hated their product more than the old ownership of Twitter. And that's one thing I will give Elon Musk is it had to be broken. It, that, that had to be broken. What it was had to stop. He comes in and he does it. That doesn't mean what he does is going to be better. It doesn't mean that what he does is going to work. Um, I, I saw someone say, I think it was either on call or it was either in comments that said, the the Hamilton 68 stuff with Bill Crystal and Podesta and pushing the Russiagate. I think it was Zach from last episode who said that was worth it alone. Even if Twitter dies and goes away, we had to know what was going on behind the scenes. And so I agree with a certain extent of that. Um, Musk's problem is, is he is kind of just like an Anon an reply guy. He jumps at every single fucking thing that either people he agrees with put out into the world or accounts he likes puts out into the world. And that's how he got that dumb Paul Pelosi tweet. Um, And that's how he kind of stumbles into those things. Also, he's just a weird fucking guy. He's not like, he's not a guy who's going to tweet what journalists say. You're tweeting out misinformation, sir. This is disinformation, sir. If I'm Musk, I'm like, so fucking what? Who cares? Like, and so I think that that's a lot to do with it. This stuff with the locked accounts, I just, I, I usually just pass that shit up. I'm just like, I'm not even paying attention to that. I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm trying to put Substack up here and whatever. And I, I, I don't even care. I've taken backlash for that from some of those bigger accounts. So like, you, you just don't feel like you're always in it with, with the team. And I'm like, I'm not on your fucking team. Like you're not my friends. You know, there are people I've met on here that are friends and some in politics and some aren't, um, but I'm just like, no, my Twitter account is mine. There are many like it, but this one is mine. And I'm going to do with it what I want. And I just don't really buy into the, you know, the, sh- the, you know, tweet about your shadow bands, tweet about your locked account. Hey, it works. And I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, OK, uh, people ask me when Elon Musk, he says he's getting rid of legacy check marks. Am I going to pay for Twitter blue? No, I'm not going to because I I don't see a value in it. Elon Musk, it's funny what Elon Musk did by saying the the blue check mark created artificial value. So now I'm going to sell it to people to create more artificial value. And I've just said, I'm like, it's okay to admit that the platform as it is right now is very bad. I understand he's trying to change things. He's trying to fix things. um, But as a platform, as a usability platform right now, Twitter is in the, it's in the complete shitter. It's at the bottom of the shitter. Um, I guess we'll find out if media companies are still going to kind of rely on it because they hold all the power of Twitter. That's something they don't realize. If they stopped using it, it would go away. The problem is they can't stop using it because they understand that it is a live, updating social media platform, and that beats tuning into CNN to see what...
6: Yeah, you you what? Right. Yeah, you're, you're. I agree with uh, what, what you'd be saying. I will say this. Like, if he really wants to... We solved the problem of everyone having a, a blue checkmark and um, abolishing legacy checkmarks. He could at least change the color of,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, it's the case of him doing something that didn't need. All he had to do was just buy Twitter, and leave it alone, get rid of the shadow banning, get rid of the throttling. Yeah, let every account out there. He didn't even have to touch it, and now we have blue checkmarks and gray checkmarks and yellow checkmarks, and now. There's accounts of that have like their little media emoji next to them Now, like Bloomberg has that next to some journalists. And it's just like, dude, this isn't fucking Applebee's. We don't need all this flair. okay? and I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's one of those things where I'm just like, I have no idea why he fucked with this. I'm fine with anyone being verified. That's that's fair. But I think he should he should have still had to go in and prove you are who you are. And so like cat turd gets a blue check mark. It's like, no, when I got verified a couple of years ago, I had to send in my driver's license. You have to send a photo of your driver's license, uh, why you're being verified. Are you notable in media or whatever? And you had to verify your, your identity. And that to me is what it should be. If you want your identity verified, then anyone should be allowed to do that. Whether it's you with 500 followers or Elizabeth down there or Cindy or Andre or whatever, but you still have to, Verify your identity that it is who you say you are, and that's his problem. He just sold the check mark as a status symbol while commenting that it's stupid. That it was,
6: yeah. Um, my final comment on this, um, he did put up a poll saying that he's going to resign as Trudeau CEO, as chosen by the users. I'm wondering when is that actually gonna happen, or is he just Doing that, is he doing that typical troll poll? Um, that he's going to do every
0: few I months don't know. and not even live after it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, he's probably looking, he's probably is looking for a CEO. That's just he said that some when he can find someone who's actually dumb enough to, I take mean, the it job, takes a
6: long process, it takes a while to find someone to lead the pack.
0: Yeah, I mean. I, I I think that, that that's actually what I prefer. I prefer he own it, but he puts somebody in charge of it that kind of knows what they're doing, and he just kind of if he wants to just be a guy who owns the platform and tweets on it, great. Um, but I don't I don't even that's those are things again. I don't really care about his Twitter polls. I don't pay attention to him. Um, I don't even think I follow Elon Musk. Do I? No, I don't. Um, I follow his
6: cause... I follow his alerts. So whenever there's, it's basically a bot that will notify me of. Who he's applying, who, which treats he likes, who he follows, what he's treating about. That's far more
0: useful. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I I don't, um, it's, it's one of those things. I don't even follow what he does. I wish people would have some self-respect just because someone came in and fixed something or whatever. He's not your, your one and all savior. Um, Alex, what was your favorite film of 2022? I was going to say the
6: Marilyn Munro non-biopic, uh, but I will say
0: Tar is my favorite film of 2022. I, I'm looking at your I, I brought I pulled up your Twitter feed. I'm looking at you said four films I consider masterpieces from the last ten years. You have a you have a still from Tar, and you have a still from Blonde. I think you're the only other person who likes Andrew Dominic that I know. Um I, I love a national treasure in our country. I love I did love Blonde. I thought it I thought it just I think I joked that I said it's like the passion of the Christ meets Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> I mean, because it's not so it long. Like. It just, I think it was too long. It just is like, okay, we get it. You re- Like, I think he really does get his point across that like people complained that it was, ex- it was exploiting her and whatever like that. I'm like, yeah, that was Marilyn Monroe. She was exploited by a lot of fucking people. Like that's exactly what happened. Um, I did have to fast forward through some of it. And I was just like, okay. Um, Dominic's one of my favorite directors. I think, assassination of Jesse James is a masterpiece. And I don't know if he's topped it. Tar, I, I may, I'm going to have to talk about this maybe with you more. Um, it was, yeah. kind of, it was, it was kind of like, a, I mean, obviously it's uh, the director was an eyes wide shut, but it was very much like a Kubrick film, but I, I guess I didn't care enough about her. And what I mean by, and I know you're not really supposed to, she's a monster, she's supposed to be kind of portrayed as a monster. But I guess I look at it, I, I look at this in the same way that I look at like romantic comedies, where like Tom Hanks is the book publishing mega millionaire privilege dude, and Meg Ryan is the uh, wealthy psychiatrist, and they have a romance, I don't, I'm like, I'm not sure why I'm supposed to care about you. I, I don't relate to super rich people and their dating problems. And I guess that's how I looked at Tar. I thought the logo was awesome. The cinematography, the tone, everything is just kind of off. It just made you uncomfortable. Um, I liked her contradictions in that film. But I guess I looked at this and I'm like, I have no reason to really super care about someone who is like an ultimate talented celebrity, and that's just my thoughts on it. Without spoilers, am I off or am I on on that? I would say
6: that you're not you're not wrong on that. Although I do have to disagree with how you framed it because I think it's also a satire of. These kind of people. Yes, I, mean, I would agree. 10, I would also
0: agree with that. Like the way the yeah. dialogue, the way the writing is, and the dialogue is very irruent. Being interviewed
6: and by the New Yorker of yeah. All places. Yeah, and it's funny. Yeah. I will say this: the New Yorker has a review of Tar that basically called it out for, um, for, you know, <laughs> portraying cancel culture. It's like calling it yeah. aggressive ideas. It's hilarious. But it really
0: there's one scene where it's obviously the famous scene in the one take where she dresses down a student for his identity. But then what's funny is like it later in the movie, and this isn't really a spoiler folks, but I would recommend, I would recommend seeing it because it is, it is a unique film. Um, she dresses down this guy about, you know, his identity because he hates Bach because Bach is a racist and whatever. Um, and then later in the movie, a guy comes in to use the women's restroom and then there's a blind audition and she changes her marks on him because he used the restroom. And I'm like, she just graded this, she just erased this dude's marks because of his identity. And so the, I, I agree that there is a level of satire, the way that the, the way the dialogue is, the way it's written. Um, but again, I'm just kind of like, I just I can't bring myself to care about anything happening to you. I saw someone say in a great it was like the assistant from the boss's point of view, and I thought that that was a good summation of it. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and people should see it. Kate Blanchett's incredible in it; she's incredible in just about anything. Um, I did a podcast. I want to get your one last thoughts, and then we'll get to Andrea because we're kind of already wrapping up. What did you think about the Oscar thing with To Leslie, the uh, the campaign with her, and then also the fact that they considered revoking? Because I talked about this yesterday on the podcast. Um, what do you think about that whole thing with Oscar so white basically trying to get her Oscar nomination revoked in favor of uh, an actress of color or whatever? Um, was this just more Oscar bullshit? Do you think that the cancel culture thing is dying down? Because this feels like something two or three years ago they would have revoked this nomination and said, nope, we're giving it to Viola Davis.
6: Um, I haven't seen too Leslie yet. And, you know, uh, I'll, 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 tr- I'll try to address each of your questions one by one. So I haven't seen too Less Than* yet, although I have heard read great things about that performance uh, from uh, Andrea Riesberg, uh, if that's how you pronounce her name, um, in that movie. And you notice that the campaign is mainly through a social through social media, where you see it's kind of like the equivalent of you know, Taylor Lawrence, whenever she gets in trouble, she'll always have he her blue check marks saying, Oh, Taylor Lawrence is so awesome. She's one of the best out there. It's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. Um, at the same time, you know, the the Canby Award is basically an industry award it's, it's basically an industry event for Hollywood. And of course they'll have studios will spend huge amounts of money just to um, push actors and actresses to get a nomination or movies to get a nomination. I mean, everyone does it. Everyone does it. So I'm kind of surprised that see that nomination through, um, that's really just like the little person that could. Um, but I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, I will also say that the idea that she gained it. Um, she, Took advantage of it over like other, other possible nominees is garbage. It's really garbage. Like you, just you're not nominated. Uh, so what? Just just do a better movie next year. And that's my issue with the whole Oscar so white campaign and all of this um, identity politics. Like so what? You you weren't nominated. Just make a better. Just make a better movie that the Academy likes,
5: yeah. and.
6: You notice that, you know, the one issue that I have with Oscars so far is basically that it's always this particular movie, and when you look at it, it's pretty mediocre. I mean, that's it's subjective. It's it's pretty subjective at the end of the day, but it's weird that it's the kind of thing like someone said described it best: watching the Oscars. The reason why you would care about the Oscars is if you care about these. Actors, these actresses, these directors, these movies, as if they were your family, and I, as someone who has been watching movies for like more than a decade, I disagree more. Why would I want to relate? Why would why would I want to put you know, Cate Blanchett, who is pretty great in talk, in the same category as as um, my mom.
0: Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. I haven't watched the show in two years. What's funny is, I mean, I went back and, uh, we'll, we'll get to Andrew here in in a minute, but I went back and I started just like watching old Oscar speeches and clips. And I'm just like, there there was just like a lightheartedness fun to the show. Like Pee Wee Herman did a fucking Oscar thing. And I'm like, that would never happen today. And I just, I got tired of getting scolded. I got tired of the self-importance. Um, I, I just, I, I got over, I think I got, I got over the interest of the films being nominated. And, uh, this was the first year I reached, I reached boomer hood gen X of, it used to be, I'd watch the show and me and my friends would bet on them and we would bet on the categories and whatever. And we'd watch all the award shows and then we'd, we'd then come to the Oscars and then we'd base our bets on who won the acting, you know, the, the director's guild awards and the guild awards. And then it got down to, uh, I would kind of tune in. And then it got down to I'm not watch. It's not I'm boycotting. I don't do that. I just like I'm doing other things tonight. I finally got I got to this show is too fucking long. It got to they just cut out some of the most interesting categories. Then it got to I'm not watching this at all anymore. And this year was the first year uh, where it was. I don't even know who's in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, there was like a few nominees where I'm like, I didn't even hear of that movie. I didn't even know about that film. I don't even know who's in that. Not a lot, but um I, I just I'm, I'm so over it until they kind of learn to rediscover the joy of what it is that they do for a living. Yeah, I thought it, just to cancel. I, th- yeah. I thought it was good giving Maverick its due, but I still, you know, I was like, OK, that maybe they're learning a little bit that. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to win much big. It'll win all the technical stuff. But I was like, okay, it was good to see. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm just kind of like uh, I'm I'm over all of this. More more Roberto Benigni climbing over chairs and less like my Oscar performance just saved a trans youth's life.
6: <laughs> I mean, the Will Smith the Will Smith thing happened last year. Yeah. So it's less serious than it's supposed to be. I mean, I know, I will know. I know, there will be at some point, you know, they will basically do a stunt kind of like lampooning that incident
0: last My, year. No, like, I, it's said, to I said, I said that this year they're either going to have Chris Rock and him co-host, or they're going to come out and present like Best Picture. That's what's going to
6: happen. Or, or for that matter, Kate Blanchett just running into Jimmy Kimmel and just tackling him like yeah. in the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's my my prediction is that they're probably gonna do like a surprise. Both both will uh present best picture and they'll they'll yuck it up and maybe Chris Rock even smacks him back, and then everything will be fine. And everyone's going to laugh, and they'll get all the ratings. And, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of turned into the MTV Awards with that kind of staged thing. So, Alex, uh, it's good hearing you. This is a good chat, uh, especially on movies. Um, we're going to have to talk more about these kinds of things when you call in. All right. Lovely to, to all to you. Cheers. All right. Hopefully hopefully Andrea has, um, has turned her leaf blower off in the comments. <laughs> Andrea, help the room out now. Are we good? We're, we're, it's, we're,
4: oh, we're, we're oh yeah. We're okay. So now I'm in the car. I hope it's a lot more quiet for you guys. Um, Month-ish. okay. So it's really easy. Month-ish. I'm sorry.
0: Nothing. Go ahead. Nothing.
4: Go ahead. Okay. So it's easy, but it's a little unconventional. So, um, like if you're in the chat thing for one of your thing, um, your post, or even if you're on the main page, it should be those three lines up at the top right corner, three dots or whatever, I'm on a Samsung, so it's three lines for me, and then you're gonna go under manage subscription, and then it's gonna be under there. So you should see it down at the bottom.
0: So it says, um, yeah. Yeah, So so you
4: would think it'd be under settings. Okay. So you go under manage subscription, and you scroll down, and it's notifications. So it says posts, podcast episodes, new chat threads. That's what you turn off.
0: So uh, for for anyone because of the the noise, so there's three lines. You go to, to uh, messages. If you look at notifications, there's these three little blue dots. Turn on, turn off. Turn them That should solve that. So can't be a technical
4: Yeah. Okay, um, I think there's also something under settings, but the main one is that manage subscription, turn off the new uh, the emails for new chat threads. That'll shut it down. Yep. You can still get notified if someone likes or applies only to your comment, only okay. to your comment, not to the whole entire thing. Okay. Okay. Thank so you. And you have know. to do that for every single thing.
0: Great. Thanks, Andrea. You saved me from from rousing Substack. So that was good.
4: (laughs) Okay. Bye.
0: Thanks, Andrea. Uh, Just wrapping up, and just like uh, she said, so you just, there's three lines up there, either on your app or your web browser. Go to notifications, and you should see posts, receive emails for new posts. So you can either turn that off, podcast episodes. You better fucking leave that one on. Uh, and it says new chat threads. So probably, uh, receive emails for new threads and Substack chat. If you're a founding member, you're going to want to leave that one on. Um, I'm probably going to start doing chat threads next week for founding members. So, uh, once I, I, I'm supposed to talk to them about how best to do those, they've been really good about sending me examples and, uh, helping me out. So it's already been a million times better than Patreon. Um, Thanks, everyone. And good, good calls tonight. Um, good topics, whatever. It's been episode 85. Someone was removed from something. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's actions come back uh, to uh, House Democrats. Uh, I'll be back. Uh, please continue to send, uh, send good vibes, send love uh, for this. It's so far gone off without a hitch, which is what I hoped. And then uh, most likely back on call in Monday or Tuesday. Um, probably not this weekend unless, you know, there's some kind of major catastrophe. So once again, thank you to my callers, a good group tonight. Thank you to my listeners. Thanks for spending uh, a couple of hours here uh, with us here. Uh, Go to bed. It's late.